welcome to Please Me. This podcast is intended for mature audiences. Eve is a licensed physical therapist who treats conditions that relate to sexual health. Please sit back and enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to another steamy episode of Please Me, the podcast that aims to destigmatize conversations about sex and sexual health by turning the sheets into our classroom. I hope you got to listen in on episode five with Julieta Chiara for her encore interview. I interviewed her in season one and she was back last week for season two and Julieta is just so much fun. Julieta is a kink and sex coach and we discussed the topic of whether women really care about penis size. What do you think? Be sure to go back and listen. Today, I have the honor to interview someone who, although in the fitness industry, struggled with body image issues her whole career and finally got fed up and tired of being sick and tired. I am so looking forward to her telling us her story today. Rachel Lavin is a published author of The Donut Diaries, a professional speaker and body love educator, a certified personal trainer, and a certified health coach. She grew up in Northern California and moved around quite a bit from Hawaii to New York and a few other places in between. She currently lives in Greenville, South Carolina with her partner. Like Rachel, I got my start as a fitness instructor and personal trainer, and those careers followed me alongside my physical therapy career through college and long afterwards as I used teaching fitness as my own personal motivation to exercise. I love finding similarities with my guests. So without further ado, I would like to welcome Rachel to please me. How are you today, Rachel? Hi, Eve. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you for being here today. As a fitness instructor, you are often viewed as the pinnacle of what others want to achieve. And when you don't feel great in your own skin, how did that affect you? It was really interesting because I was told throughout my whole career that I didn't have, for the most part of it, the right body to be a personal trainer. I was told by many, many bosses and supervisors that I needed to lose weight. And the interesting part, as I look back on my career, is that I always trusted in my teaching ability. And I think that if I didn't have that foundation, that I probably would have quit the fitness industry many, many times because I struggled with my weight my whole life. It really didn't matter what I did to it. I would be small. I would get bigger, small, get bigger. It was always such a roller coaster for me. But I am grateful that I had that foundation of knowing that I was a good, good teacher and that I cared about my clients. So I think that got me through those tough times. Absolutely. You know, body image is such a concern for many of us, and it can really cause havoc on the biggest sex organ in our bodies, which is our brain, right? How do you think your body image issues affected your sex life? It definitely affected it in many different ways. And I'll be honest and tell you that when I was at the appropriate body weight or the the ideal body weight for what society told me, I almost felt more self-conscious about sex and felt like I didn't understand this attention. I didn't understand why 
men were, you know, wanting to sleep with me just because my body looked different. It just really kind of made me uncomfortable. And then there was times where I did feel very comfortable in my sexuality, but honestly, that did not come until very late. It's interesting that you say that because I um, prepared a question for you in a little bit, but I think I'm going to jump right into it because, you know, a lot of times I hear that, you know, we're told our, you know, quote unquote prime is in our 20s and maybe in our 30s, right? And um, and I ha- I beg to differ, you know, because it really takes time to work on the issues that you have you know, in your 20s, you know, and later sometimes even to really get to the point where you really feel comfortable in your own skin. Wouldn't you agree? I do. So, I agree. You know. So for me, I feel like I'm living my prime now. Would you say that's the same? I would say that. I would, I'm 52 now, but I will say I think my 40s were like my peak where I felt the most comfortable in my body, the most comfortable sexually and the most comfortable um, not that I don't now. I just, my 40s were like really good. <laughs> so, you know, I love that you're saying that because people do have this to look forward to as they get older, as they, you know, mature and really come to terms and, and find peace with who they are in a lot of different areas. And one of those areas would be like your your body image and, you know, how you feel in your own body and in your own skin. Wouldn't you say so? And do agree with that for sure, yes. So tell me what brought you to write the book, The Donut Diaries, and give us an overview of what the book is all about. Absolutely. I know for my own personal experience, I struggled with feeling confident and loving myself and loving my body for the better part of 40 years. And when I decided, like you said in my intro, I just got tired of putting all of that stress on myself and listening to the the opinions of other people. And when I took my power back at 40 and said, you know what, I'm going to strive to be the healthiest version of myself, whatever size that makes my body, then that's what size it is. I don't want to restrict. I don't want a yo-yo diet. I don't want to starve myself anymore. I don't want to do all the things. And with my story, I'm really hoping to inspire other people that they too can walk back to themselves and have a lovely relationship with themselves for the rest of their life. That's so true. You know, um, why don't you get into a little bit of your story? Can you give us a little synopsis? Of course. I feel like I became super hyper aware of my body and how different it was about 11 years old. I remember getting my period. I had boobs already. I was in, you know, starting, ending the fifth, starting the sixth grade. And it just was so much because the other girls that I grew up with, they were not experiencing that. So it was a lot of pressure. I felt that um, I had to hide myself a lot. And then of course you hear about dieting and you're like, okay, this is my new life. And so for the latter part of, like I said, almost 40 years, I have been on some form of a restrictive diet. I've um, used exercise, of course, to aid my weight loss, but For me, it was really my unhealthy relationship with food and myself. I think having had all this trauma healing and learning about myself and and figuring out who Rachel is, I I think that was the real crux of it. I had a horrible relationship with myself. I had a horrible relationship with food. And that's how it manifested for most of my adult life. 
Yeah, you mentioned nutrition, you know, nutrition is so key. And you know, a lot of people confuse nutrition with dieting, right? And dieting is something that you go on, and then you go off, right? But having a healthy relationship with food, you know, is something that is a lifestyle. And so I like to tell my clients that nutrition is 80% of health, right? And 20% the other 20% is where exercise falls into place, um, where sleep falls into place, um, where drinking water falls into place. That's the 20%. But the 80% is nutrition, what you put in your body. And not having a healthy relationship with food is really such a huge um, you know, issue because if 80% of health is nutrition and you're not you know, eating the right foods or you are afraid to eat because, you know, you're restricting yourself, um, then it becomes a really big mind game, you know? And um, so I know that your book talks about, you know, certain things in line with what I just said. Why don't you go into what you're teaching, you know, um, in terms of, you know, having that healthy relationship? Well, thank you. I... I teach people that if you don't heal from all this trauma and all the beliefs that you live by, you will never be able to have not only a good relationship with food, but a good relationship with yourself. And you don't really understand that even though you think that you're being healthy, you're really doing yourself a disservice because most uh, meal plans, all diets are asking you to restrict something or to cut down on your calories, which are not even fit. The 2000 calorie diet that we all have lived by since I was 10 years old, that is like enough calories for maybe a baby. (laughs) And I think it's so interesting that we have this ingrained thought of what we're supposed to eat, how much we're supposed to eat, and how much those thoughts rule our world. And if you just put a little work into it, like for me, I had to put in some work for foods that made Rachel feel the most optimal, meaning my energy level, my moods, my sleep, my hydration, all those things, and take notice of foods that didn't make me feel that way. And I don't think a lot of people want to do the work, right? I think it's a lot. It, it, it's, at first, it seems daunting. It seems like you'll never figure it out. But if you can just give yourself a little bit of time, I can't tell you how much because I don't know what your eating habits are, but to listen to those foods, like I'll give you a perfect example. The red pepper family, it does a number on my stomach. It makes me gassy. It makes me bloated. It gives me a stomach. I just, it doesn't work well with my body. But there are so many other veggies that make me feel amazing. So I focus on those foods and I kind of put the other things to the side and I really don't eat them if I don't have to. So that's what I mean by putting in the work. you got to figure out what foods work best for your body. And we are all individuals. So you can't just live on some personal trainers, eat chicken and broccoli and spinach for the rest of your life and you'll be happy. It doesn't work like that. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Very true. And everybody is very individual, you know, so... When I'm coaching, you know, my clients on nutrition, I try to emphasize that, you know, like you said, you have to pay attention to how the bot, the food is 
being processed in your body. You know, you may not like red peppers. I personally, you know, have issues with winter squash. So I like winter squash. I love butternut squash, acorn squash, all the squashes. I love every one of them, but I can only eat them once in a week. (laughs) And I cannot combine them, you know, because if I combine spaghetti squash one day and then the next day acorn squash, guess what? My stomach is not going to be happy. So like you said, every single person is different. But what we should all be looking at is our plate. And half of it should always be fruits and vegetables, okay? Um, Then another portion of it should be a protein, and that doesn't necessarily mean meat protein. You know, it can be plant-based protein. Um, And then the other portion of it, you know, um, can be dairy if you eat dairy. Some people don't eat dairy. I don't eat dairy, so I eliminate that. Um, But, you know, at least half of your plate should be fruits and vegetables, and you know, the average American eats one and a half portions of fruits and vegetables per day. And that includes French fries and ketchup, believe it or not, which is insane to me. Um, and when you think about what's recommended, we should all be getting around 10 servings of fruits and vegetables daily, you know, and most people are not getting that. Wouldn't you agree? I do to a certain extent. I definitely know that when we eat fruits and veggies, our bodies function so much better. So, but we also have to think about there are some fruits and veggies that don't agree with people and they have to figure out which ones those are. Exactly. I, I do, I understand where you're coming from. I really do. But for me, it's more important that people understand that there is a rainbow of foods out there yes. and you can choose which ones make you feel better. And some people are like, I know I love broccoli. I'm just going to eat it every day. And some people are like, I need variety. So I, again, I just, I want people to get back in tune with themselves and figure out that the foods that work best for them. Yes. And that does take some time and, you know, maybe jotting it down, you know, so that you don't forget, uh, because sometimes you eat something, it makes you feel sick, but you don't, you forget, you don't pay attention, you forget about it. And then like a month later, you do the same thing and you're like, oh my gosh, I just remembered that that a month ago I ate this and it was awful. Keeping a food diary is like a great way to, you know, remind yourself what you should and shouldn't be eating. Um, And so I encourage people to do that as well if they, you know, can find the time to organize themselves that way. What would you say your current relationship is with your body and how did you learn to love every curve and inch? It took a lot of work. (laughs) It took a lot of work because I, you know, I've stated a few times on your show that for almost 40 years, I had nothing but negativity, negative thoughts, negative feelings, negative emotions towards my body. So when I wanted to change my mindset and change that script, it took very conscious doing in the beginning. And I had to tell myself, you were so unkind to yourself for so long that now that we're going to start saying kind things and giving ourselves permission to be okay, you're probably not going to believe it for a while. But keep going, keep going, keep going. And I think when you put something out in the universe, you know, the universe answers you. And for me, the right people, the right books, the right messages, just it all just kept flowing for me. And so it just gave me the courage to keep going. Today, I have a 97% percent 
beautiful relationship with my body. I love my body for everything it can do. At 52 years old, I feel strong. I feel flexible. I feel mobile. But because I had such an intense first half of my life, those moments creep in. And I am so grateful that I'm armed with enough love to tell myself you're having a moment instead of it being something like, I feel fat today and I'm going to let it ruin my day or my week or my month. And, and then the diet thing goes crazy. Now I can tell myself you're having a moment. You are beautiful. Your body is perfect right now, you know, or whatever I need to tell myself to get myself through those moments. Absolutely. And, you know, as a physical therapist, I think about the neural pathways, right, of, you know, what you're telling yourself and like constantly telling yourself that same thing creates a neural pathway, you know? And when you're constantly using that same negative neural pathway, you're giving it more life. You're creating a bigger pathway, right? So now you have to kind of go back and create a new pathway of positivity, constantly telling yourself, you know, affirmations and telling yourself that you're beautiful, that you're perfect the way that you are that, you know, nobody's perfect, but to love all of your imperfections. And, you know, so it is a process. And like you said, it was many, many years of negativity creating that neural pathway that constantly pops up in your head, right? So now you have to create another one, you know? And um, it's interesting because the neurological system is flexible and it can learn new things, right? But you have to now continually add to that new, healthier, positive pathway in order to change your mindset. And I love that you're able to, you know, talk to yourself and say, this is a moment in time where I'm feeling negative. However, I know differently. Yes, it is. I will say for your listeners, it's if you ever wanted to know the true meaning of freedom and liberation, that for me is the perfect answer. I felt a certain way about myself and my body for so long. And now that I can just present myself into the world with love and kindness and hope that that to me was something I never thought I was going to have. That's such a beautiful thing. And so many people are striving to be in that place, you know. Um, so that's why this is so powerful, because a lot of people struggle with, you know, body image, um, whether they're, you know, pencil thin or or overweight and, you know, everything in between. Um, and, you know, social media doesn't help because, you know, you're constantly seeing, you know, these images that you're constantly comparing yourself to. So, you know, what do you what are your um, views on, you know, how this is affecting you know, the younger generations with social media. Oh, it's awful. I can't even imagine growing up in a time where we had the amount of social media and influencers and all the things. I don't know if I'd be here talking to you right now. I just know that girls of a very young age who are watching all that stuff, please, please, please open your mind to know that that is fake. It's not real life. And I guarantee you the people that you're looking up to and you're idolizing are human too. And they have the issues too. So if I could shut off social media, I would do it in a heartbeat. <laughs> but I can't. So my advice to women all over the place is 
just understand that that is not real. And real life comes from a place of vulnerable, I can never say the word, vulnerability and being kind to each other. And I, and I, I like to stress that because if you don't have any of that, you don't, it's just emptiness, right? Definitely. And you mentioned kindness to other people, but kindness to yourself, you know, is the first place to start. And that's usually the first place that we throw negativity at, you know, is ourselves. So being kind to yourself is number one on the list, you know. How do you feel that embracing all of you affected your intimate life? Oh my God, it was such a game changer. I I was able to actually focus on enjoying myself, enjoying with my time with my boyfriend as opposed to like, oh my God, this is in the way, or oh my God, that's, I don't want to turn off the, I mean, all the things that were ruining it for me and not allowing me to be in the moment when I finally was able just to be at peace with my body, it just, it changed sex for me and it made it a thousand times more. Absolutely. And you mentioned trauma and healing from trauma, you know, in the past. Um, and that was a big game changer for you and bringing you to be more self self accepting. Uh, can you go into a little bit of that? Well, the trauma I'm talking about was just making for me, I felt always less than and especially in a relationship because I had so many issues, whether it was abandonment or I didn't feel whole in my own self, that I was always looking for love with men who were 1,000% unavailable. And to keep chasing after a dream, which was, I just want to be loved. I just want to share my life with someone and be a partner to somebody. I had to realize I had no idea how to do that. And that's why I kept chasing the same guy over and over again, over and over again. And when I finally, you know, all this work that started at 40, I stopped being afraid that I was never going to find love. I stopped being afraid that I wasn't lovable and that I wasn't sexy and beautiful and all those things. And I met my current partner now when I was 45. That's bleak. <laughs> But it's also a prime example of getting in your own way for a long, long time. And when I finally was able to be at peace with myself, my my life partner, my best friend showed up. I mean, it is a testament to working on yourself because when you do, you will attract what you need, you know. And like you mentioned, the universe brings you what you need, but you have to really be in tune right? You can't be out of, you know, out of tune with the universe. You have to be in tune with the universe. So when you are, you will get what you, what you desire. And so that's a beautiful thing, no matter what, when you find love, you know, everybody is deserving of love and everybody is deserving of pleasure. And I always stress that to people. Um, and I like to say that on the podcast here for my listeners, because whether, you know, whether your um, pleasure is is being given to you by your partner or you are giving yourself pleasure it's very important to embrace pleasure um no matter what type of pleasure it is and there's no shame in any of it i'm curious you know having the foresight now that you do what message would you give your younger self 
I would, well, there's a couple of things, especially since we're talking about sex. I would tell my younger self that the love you're looking for in that person is not there and that I don't have to give my body to everyone who gives me a little glimmer of hope that I need to find that in myself first. And the second thing I would tell myself, all the things that you don't believe that you are, you already are. And give me some examples of that. I am funny. I am smart. I am beautiful. I am kind. I am all the things that growing up as a young woman feeling so insecure just because I wasn't the right size made me doubt myself across the board. And you, you know, you saying that you weren't the quote unquote right size and who says what the right size is? I mean, you know, some people are born and they're four foot nine and some people are born, you know, as a woman and some people are born in their six foot two. And, you know, I mean, obviously uh, even, even bigger ranges than that, but I'm just going by height, you know, um, who's going to tell you that you're not the right height? You know what I mean? So why do we tell ourselves that we're not the right size, you know? And unfortunately, you know, society and what we see on television really forms those opinions of ourselves. And unfortunately, there aren't enough, um, you know, places where we see a variety of sizes to really feel like, yes, you know, it's a, this is somebody that looks like me and, and I am happy to watch them in a movie or on a sitcom or whatever that may be, that makes you feel like you belong. And when you don't see that, unfortunately, you start to think these negative thoughts at a very early age. Wouldn't you agree? I agree with that. And just now in the past few years, are we starting to see women in all colors and all shapes? But for so many years, that was the thing. Your height to your body weight ratio had to be this thing. And, you know, <laughs> if I had to tell you what I had to force myself to do to keep my body in any size under an eight, you would agree with me that that is torture and that sounds miserable. <laughs> but now that, you know, I'm allowing my body to heal from years and years of dieting, my weight is finally coming to a place where it's at homeostasis and feels good. And um, I have never felt that before. And I thought for sure, and I, I do want to throw this quick story in, is that when I turned 40 years old, I had gone through a huge transformation. I had lost 50 pounds. I was a size zero. And I was miserable. I was miserable because, again, I had not healed my heart and healed my soul. I was just, again, focused on the aesthetics. And when I reached that perfect body, which I had been striving for my whole life, I was like, okay, now what? <laughs> so... I do like to share that story because I think so many of us strive with the minute I'm a size two or the minute I'm this or 115 pounds, I'll be happy. And that is just not true. Because when you got there, you weren't necessarily any happier than you were 50 pounds heavier, right? Correct. What struggles did you have at that time as a size zero or a size two? That's when I was telling you earlier in our conversation, like the attention I was getting from men just because I was in a small body felt very uncomfortable. It almost felt like 
that wasn't the right body either, if that makes sense. And I just didn't want, I wanted to be in a relationship. I wanted to be loved. I wanted all the things, but at least I knew that that feeling deep inside my gut that was telling me this doesn't feel right either. And so when I was turned, you know, I had turned 40 and literally just had this epiphany that I needed to heal. I took a break from men. I took a break from thinking you know, of dating. I just stopped and I wanted to get to know Rachel. And I love that scene in that movie, Runaway Bride, where she's sitting there trying all the eggs because she has no idea what kind of eggs she likes because she only did what her partner did. And that felt very authentic and very true for me. So I just started doing things for myself, by myself, to get to know the things that I like to do. And that made me happy with or without a partner. And I'm very grateful for that time. That's a beautiful, you know, time of, you know, discovering yourself and really figuring out who you are, what you want, what you like, all of that. That's a beautiful thing. And you mentioned that, um, that, you know, when you became a size zero or two, that, you know, you were getting attention from men that was really unwanted, you know? And, um, it's interesting that you say that because, you know, people that struggle with, um, healing from sexual abuse or sexual trauma often, you know, purposely gain weight so that they don't attract people, um, you know, in that way, in that negative way that you were feeling. Uh, and, you know, so that is an issue, you know, um, and a lot of people do struggle with weight that have been, you know, sexually abused or assaulted because they put on this armor of protection so that they're not viewed from the opposite sex as, you know, whatever you want to call it, um, you know, attractive or sexy or whatever, so that they, because they don't want that attention. And what you just said is that when you got to that size, guess what? You didn't like that feeling, that attention that you were getting, you know? And so, you know, then what? Then, then now you really have to figure out what is the right thing for you? What is the right size for you? Um, you know, and, and so it's a journey, really. It, it is a journey. And I think that to even add that part of it, of being victimized is very important to be able to do that work. Because why are you, why are you putting all that trauma back onto your own body when you can be free from that? I mean, listen, I'm not going to pretend that I know what that feels like, but I do know that if you as an individual are willing to put in the work, you can heal from anything. I do believe that. I do too. I do too. And, um, you know, it's all about finding the right resources, um, maybe the right group of people, maybe the right, you know, journaling group or organization that can help you to get on the path to self-healing. Every single one of us, no matter who we are, has shit. You know what I mean? Baggage from their childhood, you know, that they carry along and it could be self-induced shit, right? It could be you, what you're telling your own self, right? It doesn't necessarily have to be someone else abusing you. It could be you abusing your own self, right? Um, so getting to the point where you're recognizing that and then trying to heal from that, you know, is a journey, but you can come out on the other side. You can come out thriving. Um, and so that is really a lot of what this podcast is about, really empowering women 
to thrive, you know, in life in general, but especially, you know, once you're there in your sexuality, because like I said before, we all deserve pleasure and a lot of us are not getting our pleasure needs met. Have you, um, are you familiar with the orgasm gap? No, what's that? <laughs> so the orgasm gap is um, a gap that exists in all relationships, whether we're talking about hookups, all the way to marriage and like everything in between. And when you look at um, the, the statistics of orgasms, men are somewhere up here in the 95th percentile <laughs> of, you know, having an orgasm every single time they have sex, right? And this is in partnered penetrative sex, okay? And then women are down here in like the 65th, 64th percentile, you know? And there's a huge gap that exists. Women are not getting our needs met as much as men are, you know? And so how do we close that gap for, for ourselves? Um, so I'm going to pose that question to you. Do you feel like you've closed that orgasm gap for yourself? And if so, how so? I would say up until about a year ago, because I am definitely starting menopause and things are changing. But I learned that, especially with my partner, now we've been together 10 years, that we all had a life before each other. I get that. But you're in a relationship with me and my body, and I want you to please me and vice versa. So if I've learned anything, it's to have that conversation with your partner and to be open and talk to him or her or whoever. Um, because if you're just like expecting them to read your mind of what you want, then no one's going to get anything from that. So I have learned how to talk to him and say, hey, I need this or I need that or I really hate that. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> And you know, not being shy to say what is on your mind, you know, move a little to the left, slow down, um, you know, rub me here, hold this vibrator, like whatever it is, you know, <laughs> whatever it is to, you know, close that orgasm gap for yourself. Because if you think that it's okay, you know, for your partner to always have a, an orgasm, but you only sometimes do, well, I don't know. I, I personally think, you know, and I don't, go into a sexual experience expecting that I'm going to have an orgasm. I mean, that's not like the only thing that I'm thinking about. All of it is beautiful. It, all of it feels wonderful. I'm enjoying every moment. However, if you're already thinking before you even start that it's okay if you don't come, but as long as they do, you know what I mean? You will never close that orgasm gap for yourself. So my mission really is to try closing that orgasm gap for each and every person that listens to this podcast, because we all deserve pleasure and a woman's pleasure is equal to a man's pleasure. Wouldn't you agree? I agree with you for sure. Yes. So you're doing good work here, Eve. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that very much, Rachel. So out of curiosity, because uh, we talk a lot about relationship styles and, you know, there's just so many options now. What is your relationship style now and what societal constructs have you had to chuck out the window in order to enjoy the current state of your partnership? I think the most valuable lesson that I learned as a woman that if you are just letting your partner be who they are and that is being returned to you, I can't imagine anything that me and my boyfriend can't get through together because I never went into it with expectations. I never went into a relationship with him 
with, oh, I got to change this about him, this about him, this. I just, you're who you are. And if there ever is a time in our relationship where I'm feeling that my needs aren't getting met, whatever that may be, emotionally, mentally, physically, I've learned to stop being afraid and just talk to him about it. I mean, there's no point in, especially at 50 years old, right? There's no point in stewing and dwelling and just not saying anything. So to feel safe with him that I can say anything, that is beyond my expectation of what having a relationship was going to be when I was younger. Absolutely. You know, as younger, you know, women in relationships, we tend to hold so much in because we're afraid, right? There's so much fear. Like, what will they say? (laughs) What will they say if I say I want to use a vibrator when, you know, they're penetrating me? Or what will they say if I want them to try this new position that I really think would get me there? Um, And you are so fearful of, you know, what your partner's going to say that often you never even open your mouth to say anything, you know? And as you get older, you learn how to communicate And that is a huge game changer. So, you know, I encourage people to to have these conversations with their partners. And, you know, if you're with somebody that doesn't want to hear it, you know, you really have to consider if that's the right fit for you. Because you really want somebody that's going to want to pleasure you, want to please you, want to take care of you, want to, you know, do things for you. And, um, and if you're with somebody that's only taking, 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 you know, you need to consider that maybe that's not the right type of partnership. Wouldn't you agree? I do agree with that. It's such a, a freeing feeling to know that you can tell your partner anything or ask your partner anything and know that you won't be met with that, you know, like, um, I don't want to talk about this or I'm not, I don't care. I mean, if you're in the right relationship, you will always be met with an open conversation. So yeah, I agree with that. Absolutely. Communication, 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 right? Um, You know, I like to ask this question of all my guests, and I certainly hope it's not too personal for you. I'm going to go ahead and ask now, what is your favorite sex position? Out of all of them, I'm going to be so boring and tell you that I love missionary. It's not. It's not. And tell me why. <laughs> I just, out of all the positions, I just feel like that's the one that makes me feel the most like capable of having an orgasm. Okay, that's interesting. And, you know, there's so many versions of missionary. You know, we're talking body on body, and then you can put your legs over their shoulders, or you can have your legs on their arms. I mean, one leg down, one leg up, like, you know, so many different variations, right? But, you know, I often say that, you know, a woman needs clitoral stimulation, 95% of women need clitoral stimulation in order to climax. And missionary is one of those positions that unless there's some space between you and the other person's body, it's hard to really get that clitoral stimulation. Um, do you use your hands? Do you use a vibrator or do you, are you able to climax without, uh, any type of clitoral stimulation externally? Up until this point, like I said, my body is definitely going through some, but (laughs) I have been very fortunate with my current partner that we have been able to have like really good equal climax together 
or one and then the other to you know in our, during our relationship so i'm i'm grateful for that but it's interesting that again at 50 i'm gonna have to relearn how to do some of this stuff because my body is changing oh, it's a whole nother conversation <laughs> It's true. And you know, what you like in your 20s is not going to be the same position that you like in your 50s, you know, because your body does change. And you know, maybe the angles that you used to like before are not going to be the angles that you like later on, you know. And, um, you know, I noticed that as well. So I totally understand what you're saying. Um, but allowing yourself to continually be open to learning new things is where, you know, the, you're going to get the most bang for your buck, right? Because you're going <laughs> to constantly, <laughs> no pun intended, but pun intended. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, you're, you know, you're constantly, you know, trying different things and seeing what works for you. And, you know, what, what works for you one day may not be the same thing that works for you another day. And, you know, sexual sexuality and you know um our sexual experiences is how adults play it is our playground so make it fun it doesn't always have to be the same it doesn't have to be routine it can always be something different it doesn't even have to be penetration it can be massage it can be touching it can be so many different things there's so many things that you can introduce into the bedroom toys and swings and chairs and lots and lots of options you know to really um spice it up and and continue to enjoy your sexuality because no matter how old you are we all have the same nervous system and that nervous system is wired for pleasure so today i have a little show and tell um because i'm always talking about combining clitoral stimulation with penetration to help close your own personal orgasm gap so some people you know may be great with their hands but i personally love my Rose, and her name is Rosie. <laughs> and she's been sitting here the whole time. Nobody probably even realized it. Um, but I'm going to show you. This is Rosie. <laughs> and she is a, a vibrator. Um, she sits on my nightstand. So, you know, it's very cute. Um, <laughs> but she's also extremely powerful. Um, if you see the top, she has like a little hole there that does like a slight sucking action. And it covers a very nice surface area. You know, the surface area is pretty big. If you think about the clitoris and like the vulva and all of that, it covers a pretty nice area. So I love the rosy, the rose for, um, you know, for stimulating the clitoris externally while you're getting penetrated. So, and, or if when you're masturbating, you can just use it by itself. Um, so do you like to use um, any type of toy when you're having sex? Not while we're having sex, but I do have, you know, my trusty vibrator, of course. <laughs> Definitely. And you use it solo? I do, yeah. Okay. And it's interesting that you say that, that you don't use it with your partner. Um, but when you do, um, you know, masturbate, uh, does it take you a long time to orgasm? No, and that's why sometimes I kind of prefer it because I can just like, you know, have a moment and then go on with my day. So, I mean, I love my boyfriend so much, but he definitely has like his needs where we have to like, you know, do the whole foreplay thing. And I'm, sometimes I don't have time for that. <laughs> so, 
I just take care of myself and then I move on. Absolutely. And, you know, having an orgasm is so great for like helping you to sleep. You know, um, it's it's helps with stress relief. It's relaxing. Um, there's just a lot of natural, you know, health benefits um, that, you know, taking care of yourself, you know, every so often or, you know, every day is completely fine, you know. And it's interesting that when you look at studies about masturbation, uh, men and women usually take the same amount of time to climax during masturbation. So it's usually like between two to five minutes, you know, both men and women get there at the exact same time. But when we're having penetrative sex, that's when it changes. So men take maybe five to seven minutes. Women will take 25 minutes or more, you know. So it really is a huge difference. Um, so I encourage people to, you know, use toys or um, massage or whatever that may be to really get the your partner stimulated before penetration occurs. And just like a man has to have a heart on, so does a woman. A woman needs to have a heart on too, right? Our clitoris gets engorged. So we need to have a heart on too. So, you know, just because, you know, your male partner may have their heart on, you got to make sure that you have yours too. And you need to be properly stimulated because if you don't do that, then oftentimes we're, we may suffer from, you know, painful sex, um, chafing, uh, you know, pulling, all of that stuff, um, ripping of the skin because you're not properly lubricated. Um, so all of that is so important. I am so excited that you were so open to share all of that information with us today. And I want to make sure that my listeners can find you and can find your book and, and know where to go. So why don't you let them know where they can find you? Of course, I am on social media and my website is Rachel Lavin Wellness. My book, The Donut Diaries, is available on Amazon and barnesandnobles.com. And you can also just, if you're on my website, there are plenty of buttons to click that'll take you right to Amazon. So yeah, go ahead, buy a copy. And anytime you want to reach out and talk to me, I'm always open to a conversation about this. So yeah, reach out. Absolutely. And, you know, like you mentioned before, you're a wellness coach as well. So, um, you know, reach out for wellness coaching as well. Um, so I want to thank you, Rachel, for being here today and for joining me on this quest to destigmatize conversations about sex and sexual health. As a licensed physical therapist, I treat conditions such as erectile dysfunction in my practice, along with conditions such as incontinence, decreased vaginal sensitivity and dryness, and painful intercourse. I specialize in pelvic and sexual health, and I am also a certified health coach. So I encourage you to reach out to me on pleaseme.online and send me a message if you can relate. I also offer health coaching services, and I love that this can be virtual, and I can reach anybody from anywhere in the world. This podcast has listeners on every continent, so don't be shy and say hi. There are so many reasons why people may seek help for their sexual health, and there is no shame in it at all. We are all deserving of love and of pleasure, and I encourage you to allow your sensual life to be an area of your life where you thrive and where transformation can occur. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Rachel. Thank you, Eve. It was such a pleasure. Until next time. 
visit pleasemeet.online to reach Eve or for more information on products to increase blood flow and overall health. For her curated list of her favorite toys and for swag that shows that you are a big fan. Please consider supporting the show.